we're all a little bit lost now, aren't we? We're just trying to make sense of this new normal. We're finishing off Luke's Gospel today, chapter 24. Chapter 24 is that great passage that looks at Jesus' resurrection. As we come to Luke 24 now, let's pray that God would help us understand how this makes sense of a life that is all a bit uncertain. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, we thank you that Jesus is risen from the dead. We thank you that he is risen indeed and we now pray as we live in uncertain days, help us, show us how the resurrection makes sense of life and everything. In Jesus' name, Amen. We are a little bit lost now and and we live in uncertain days, don't we? But it's not like life was certain before the coronavirus crisis. What's happened though is, where uncertainty in life perhaps for people's life and death was for over there, now it's come more close to home for us here. And living in some uncertain days makes us fearful and anxious and all sorts of things that just cause us to be a bit confused and, and we lose our sense of balance and we lose where we're navigating through life. This is where Jesus helps us. The gospel will change everything for us. The good news of Jesus will change everything for us. We started in Luke's gospel at the start of this term where he writes his gospel account of Jesus. He writes this so that we would have certainty. In fact, he writes firstly to Theophilus in chapter 1. He writes to Theophilus, but he also writes to us, to anyone who reads this. He follows the things closely about Jesus. He writes an orderly account we see in chapter 1. And in verse 4, he writes this, that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. This gospel of Jesus is for you to have certainty with all the life's uncertainty all around us. This gospel and Jesus' resurrection is going to help us so much today. You see, this gospel was written, and you can follow it all the way through to chapter 24. I recommend you do that. If you haven't read Luke's gospel, sit down this afternoon on Easter Sunday and read it. But you get to chapter 24, Jesus has lived, ministered to people, healed people, helped people. Then he's died on a cross, Good Friday. He's very much buried and dead. And this has led to even Jesus' first followers are very confused. They live in uncertainty. They live in uncertain times. Everything the disciples thought was certain has just turned to sand. Until Luke 24, they thought they'd made sure of themselves that Jesus was going to be their hero. They told themselves that he wouldn't die, but now he has died and now he's buried and life is so uncertain. Until chapter 24. See, in Luke 24, Jesus is back. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed, we read in this chapter. And Jesus is the one whom they meet who makes sense of everything because Jesus makes sense of the Bible. And if you understand the Bible, you understand life. Jesus is the only one who brings sense even in a life of uncertainty, to your life of uncertainty. There are many things in this world that don't make sense. And we just kind of get on with them, don't we? We just kind of let them exist. I mean, have you ever thought it doesn't make sense that... A person that you give all your money to to handle your your finances is called a broker. 
That doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense that you have celebrities who spend their whole life trying to be well-known, but then they spend also their whole life wearing dark glasses and hoodies so that people don't recognize them. It doesn't make sense that you can tell a person that there are you know, a certain number of stars in the universe. You can tell them there's a billion stars in the universe. But then you tell them, well, there's wet paint over there, and they don't believe you, they want to touch it. There's lots of things in our world that don't make sense. And there's some funny or light-hearted examples. But the stuff that really matters is not light-hearted. The stuff that really doesn't make sense is hard on our hearts, isn't it? It makes our hearts anxious. And the biggest one of that, of course, is an example you can all see anywhere around the world, and it's death. And at the moment, we all fear and feel anxious about death by virus, something you can't see, something that has encompassed the whole world. But Jesus today will give you certainty. Jesus today in Luke 24 gives us certainty in an uncertain time. That has been this series we've been in Luke's Gospel, Certainty in Uncertain Times. And here in chapter 24, it all comes together with his resurrection. And firstly, we see and we meet and we get to be among in chapter 24, his first followers who are so confused. And what do they need from Jesus? They need to see that to understand the times they live in, to understand what the Bible's been saying, what he's been saying about who he is, they need to see this in Luke 24, that Jesus puts the eye in interpretation. In Luke 24, we see this in verse 25. We come to this, this word in verse 25, interpreted. Now, the word interpretation, of course, has been fashionably argued around, particularly when it comes to the Bible or when it comes to Jesus. People will say things like in the past, I've heard this said, you know, that's your interpretation, this is my interpretation. And sometimes we can argue about that or discuss that. And it's fine to look at how we read things, but we must see that the Bible is not just a place where you can have different interpretations, especially about Jesus, you can't have different interpretations about Jesus when he himself explains he is the interpretation. He is the great interpreting one. Do you see this in verse 25? Luke 24 verse 25. Jesus meets these two men on the road to Emmaus. And he says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? He's explaining the cross and his resurrection. Verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Do you see this? Jesus is saying, I am the one who interprets the whole Bible. The word interpreted here is a, is, it comes from a Greek New Testament word. Uh, its original form is hermeneuo. It, it it's the word where we get the word hermeneutics from. The word hermeneutic or hermeneutics is a method of interpretation. Jesus is saying this, I am the method of interpretation. We all have a method of interpretation. We all have a hermeneutic. Whatever we're reading, we use it. We employ that hermeneutic. So, for example, if you're, if you're reading um, uh, the newspaper, you use a method of interpretation that says, this is the news. This is factual information that's being reported to me in a newspaper. But then if you put the newspaper down and you read a fiction novel, you don't treat the fiction novel as factual news, do you? You don't sort of say, you know, uh, oh, the newspaper's fake news, man. It's fake news. That's a terrible impersonation. 
Uh, um, I've got a friend, his name is Tom, does a great impersonation of the person I was just trying to impersonate. But anyway, you don't say that newspapers fake news and the fiction is real news. We use a method of interpretation. It's the same when it comes to any text and it's the same when it comes to the Bible. Reading the Bible requires you to have an interpretation, a grid to understand what is this being said here. And Jesus is showing us you won't understand the Bible and you won't understand life until you understand who Jesus is and what he's done. Let me say that again. You won't understand the Bible and you won't understand life until you understand who Jesus is and what he has done. You see, Jesus shows us not only these are his words and he's the one who's the method of interpretation, but he's the only one that makes sense of the Bible and life. Come with me in Luke 24 to verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke with you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You see this? Jesus saying to them, verse 44, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that what was written about me, and he uses the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. What is he saying? So when Jesus uses that phrase, the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, he's actually using a phrase that describes the whole Old Testament. He is saying, in other words, all the scriptures, the whole Bible, is actually about Jesus. This is about him. Jesus shows us something significant here, that if you want to understand the Bible, you need to read it through the lens of Jesus. Jesus' words are powerful words. Powerful words that show us how to interpret the Bible. A few years ago, I got into a discussion with someone and they kept saying, you know, you're wrong, your interpretation is wrong. And I said, yeah, I actually might be. Which is why I constantly have to keep asking as I'm reading the Bible, how do I read this through Jesus? Not how I read this through my experiences. Not how I read this through Facebook. Not how I read this through someone else's interpretation primarily. Whilst books and other helps are really helpful, and I love books and other helps, I love discussing things with other people, but we need to understand how do I read the Bible primarily through Jesus? It's why we are gospel-centered Christians. It's why we are Bible, not just Bible-based, but Bible-focused Christians as we focus on the Bible through Jesus. Because it's the Bible that shows us in Jesus' words here, you interpret the Bible through Jesus. Only Jesus makes sense of the whole Bible. And Jesus is the only one that actually, therefore, makes sense about life. You see, Jesus says, These words are about me, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled in me. And verse 45, he opens their minds to understand the Scriptures. And here's the message of the Scriptures. Here's the message of the Bible. Verse 46. In fact, verse 46 is a summary verse of Luke's Gospel. And verse 47 is a summary verse of the book of Acts, which is Luke's second volume. And those two verses, a summary of the Gospel of Luke and the summary of the book of Acts, show us what the whole Bible really is all about. That's what life is all about. Because life, as we know it, is a bit broken, isn't it? 
Life as we know it has a problem. See, life can be good, and we've enjoyed good in Australia for so long. We've enjoyed comfort and ease and prosperity. The bad things usually happen to people over there in other countries, other places, and we often feel sorry for them or give aid to them, perhaps. It never really happens to us. Yes, we wear a seatbelt, and yes, we, we don't want to get sick in our old age, but life has been good here until a virus invaded a virus has invaded our lives and the whole world is focused on that and, and we fear what that virus could bring, even death to our home. And that virus has brought so- social isolation and distancing and all sorts of problems. But it's not just that virus is the cause of our problems in our world. See, there's actually another bigger virus that's the cause of problems in our world and that virus's name is sin. And sin is a virus that has invaded our world, it has infected us all, and has affected us all, and there's no vaccine that we can come up with for sin. The problem of sin is, it leads to all sorts of brokenness in our world, sickness, tragedy, human evil on other humans. It's led to us not managing our world well, our environment is collapsing in many ways because we don't manage our world well, we're selfish, we're greedy. It's so affected humans and so broken our world. And God looks at our world and says, I did not intend it to be like this. I didn't make it like this. It's we who have broken it by our sin, by our rebellion against God. And we need to repent. We need to lament our sin, confess it, and so and repent. And repent means return to God. Return to Him and trust Him. By faith, believe in Him. And that he is the one who can deal with the sin problem. And how does he do that? And this is where it makes sense of life. This is where the gospel makes sense of life. This is where Jesus makes sense of life. How does he deal with the sin problem? He comes in himself. He enters our world, start of Luke's gospel. He lives in our world, the whole of Luke's gospel. He cares for us in our world, Luke's gospel. And at the end of Luke's gospel, he dies in our world. He dies for sin. Our sin, your sin, my sin. He gets judged on a cross, the place of God's judgment, so you and I don't have to be judged to death. He does that for us to trust in Him, rely on His death as saving us from our sins. And we see in Luke 24, verse 46, as Jesus opens their minds to understand the Scriptures, in verse 45, verse 46, He says this, Thus it is written, And this is where the Bible makes sense of life, where Jesus makes sense of life. The Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And then verse 47, which is what the church is seeing today around the world, even as the virus of sin has spread everywhere, so does the gospel. Verse 47, and that repentance, that turning to God, that repentance and forgiveness of sins, by God himself that is, Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You see how Jesus makes sense? Not just of the Bible, but the Bible and Jesus make sense of life. If you understand who Jesus is, you can read the Bible through Him. We do not read the Bible through any other experience. We don't read it through a social influencer's experience or a blogger's experience or any other person but Jesus Christ is how you read the Bible through Him. That means if you read any part of the Bible, you take a text out of its context and throw it out there and you don't read that text through Jesus Christ, you've not only not understood that text, you've not understood life. 
You've not understood the things of God. But if you see how to read the Bible through Jesus, you see that he is the fulfillment of all God's promises to save this world from sin and death. Then you understand Jesus. You understand the Bible. You understand life. You understand what life's about. You understand this brokenness now, this, this virus and social isolation. You understand what's going on. It's a broken world that needs rescuing. And Jesus is the rescuer. And how does he rescue with a hope that is assured? He's risen from the dead. See, lots of rescuers have come and gone, haven't they? There's lots of rescuers that come and go. Uh, one of the favorite games I love playing with my boys is, uh, and now with also with Chloe, a little girl, is Team Rescue. We teach them. We teach them uh, to, 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 to learn how to make you know, rope knots and, and how to do all sorts of things, first aid, and teach them how to rescue. They love rescue games. They love res- rescuers are tough, right? We actually teach them this as well. We say, that, what is the church? And amongst many things, we teach them what the church is. It's God's saving gathered people. Of course, not gathered at the moment because we're all online and we're instead on this sent worship for a season. But we also teach them this. What is the church? The church is Jesus' rescue team. Jesus is the rescuer. And what is our job? Our job is Luke 24, verse 47. That repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. The church is Jesus' rescue team with our testimonies, with our evangelism, the sharing of the gospel amongst our family and friends and our neighbors, with our preaching. We preach out to reach out. With our proclamation, our disciple-making, our teaching people in the Bible. Do you want to read the Bible and learn more about Jesus? I'll read it with you. Here's my offer. Email me. Call me. You want to learn about Jesus? You want to see how to be saved? The church is Jesus' rescue team. Our kids love that. I hope you love that too. I love that, that I get to be part of Jesus' rescue team. Because to make sense of life is to see that Jesus is coming to rescue and offer new life. New life that lasts forever. Because Jesus is the risen one. He's the only rescuer who's gone into death to rescue and then come back. There are many rescuers out there, people we admire, be it combat search and rescue, or perhaps it's Bear Grylls. But all of those rescuers die and stay dead. It's only Jesus that goes to rescue into the bowels of death and comes back again. He's the rescuer who does that to rescue you, save you from your sins from a judgment that you and I deserve. He's done this for you. And he rescues you, not just to hope that you might have a better life in the life to come, but to give you a solid, resurrected, physical, flesh and blood hope. See, when you see Jesus, the risen one, he makes sense of life because Jesus isn't risen to be a spirit. We were created to be physical, to have hugs and handshakes and high fives. And we can do this now knowing forever because Jesus has risen to the, from the dead into physical resurrection. His resurrection shows us what our resurrection will be like. That we too look forward to not being a, a life after this, not an eternity that is just spiritual and floating through one another, which would be icky, but we look forward to real resurrected life where the colors are real, where the life is real, the earth is renewed. It's real, it's physical, it's wonderful, and it's a solid hope that only Jesus offers. 
and it's the only thing that makes sense of life. Why is life like this? There are good things about life. Because God made it good. Why is life broken? Because we made it bad by our sin. Why is there death? Because sin is here. What is God doing about it? He's resurrecting and renewing. He promises that there is a last day coming, the day of judgment, where there will be justice for all that is evil. We really do want that. We hate seeing evil on the news, don't we? Well, God is bringing justice, but he's also bringing justice for you and I. Unless you trust in Jesus, where justice was taken, your judgment was dealt with at the cross. But that day also has a day that goes forever. It's a wonderful, it's a new creation. And it's shaped by the promise of our resurrection, because Jesus is risen for us. It's a hope that cannot be taken away, it lasts forever. And it's the only thing that makes sense of this life. This life that was already short, that is now cut shorter by a possibility of getting a virus, a cough, a fever, and then death. Jesus has come to say, I have conquered death. I died and now I live again. Revelation 1, 17, verse 18. Do you see Jesus? Do you understand who he is? There's a couple of men on the road to Emmaus. They end up having dinner with Jesus. And as they're eating dinner, and they recognize him, and then he's vanished from their sight. In verse 32 in Luke 24, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures. He's not, not saying their hearts burn because they ate too quickly. They had indigestion. No, no. Their hearts burned before dinner. Their hearts were burning as they're walking along the road with Jesus, as he opens their minds to understand the scriptures, as they get it, as they see the Bible's about Jesus and Jesus is about life and new life to come, and it causes their heart rate to increase, their hope to enlarge, their joy to explode. See, if you see who Jesus is, it's more than just understanding. It'll blow you away to belief in him. And this will make sense of everything. What will this mean for us in this season of the coronavirus crisis? Well, I pray for you today, everything. Like I pray that the gospel changes everything for you today. Maybe you are checking out Christianity. You're, just, you're wondering about Christianity on this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Nothing else to do, a lot of internet in front of you and you just ended up here. Praise God. And if you've lasted this long, with my voice, praise God, but I want you to hear God's voice. Hear God's voice. Jesus is saying to you, come. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Perhaps you've been a skeptic your whole life. You're just not sure about this stuff. You've been a skeptic. Look at those first followers of Jesus who followed him up until Luke 23 when he died on a cross. When he died, they became massive skeptics. They didn't want to necessarily believe he'd risen again. They had, it took him to appear to them to physically have the, the handshake, the high five, to see that this was real. Can I encourage you, if you're a skeptic, look at the evidence in the Bible. And look at how the Bible is grounded in our world. The Bible is realistic about our fallen world. The Bible is realistic about the future resurrected world. The Bible is realistic. The only hope we have in this world that is uncertain is the certain hope of Jesus who's risen again. That's the only certainty we have. And lastly, for us as a church, Reforming Church, when this is all over, 
When this coronavirus crisis is over and social distancing and social isolation is all over, here is my question for us. If we believe this, what difference will it make? It means this. When we attempted to reform as a church and rebuild as a church community, to rebuild the community around us, when we are going to be doing that, we'll be tempted in all sorts of ways to try all sorts of you know, fancy things and slick things to do to make that happen. I think we'll be tempted in, into to finding our confidence in uncertain times and other things, but in Jesus and the gospel message found in the Bible. There's always that temptation, isn't there? There was that temptation beforehand, right? The temptation beforehand to look at life and say, we must find our purpose as a church and, and do whatever else it is uh, for our world so they notice us or perhaps you know be slick in presentation or, or do something fancy or have really rocking whatever it is, music or people or get some better looking people. We need to do something right that, that, that the world will notice the church. We don't need to do anything. What have we got? And when it comes to Easter... I reckon it's, it's been easy temptation for churches every Easter to try and do the next big fancy thing to get some attention. We don't need to. Brothers and sisters, Reforming Church, where is the power? It's in the risen Jesus. Like, the power to raise the dead. We don't need to have confidence in anywhere else in rebuilding our church or our community after this crisis. The confidence is going to be in the Bible. That's where it's going to be, in Jesus Christ. We will see our church rebuilt and grow and strengthened. Even if we're smaller, even if things are being reduced, even if we feel weaker at the end, that's a good place to be, by the way, 2 Corinthians 12, to be weak, because then we see God is strong. And how is He strong in our weakness? Resurrection power in Jesus Christ. In uncertain times, we can be certain that Jesus builds his church, his kingdom. How? Through his Bible and our belief in the risen Christ. In these uncertain times, here's my prayer for you, Reforming Church, family and friends of our church. In these uncertain times, see Jesus, have certainty. He makes sense of everything. He's come to save you. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Saviour, He is risen. And we worship Him, we worship Jesus with great joy. We pray at the time of this crisis, this Easter Sunday 2020, this Resurrection Sunday, we pray, we ask, comfort our hearts, encourage us. We ask you, make sense for the sceptics. And we ask you, Bring on the day when we get to be together again, greeting one another with those words, He is risen indeed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.